Sure. My name is Ivan Rosa, and I represent NPC Financial. This, this, is, this is Diversified Game Game. A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. So, let the game begin. It's Kellen, and today on Diversified Game, I have Ivan Rosa, who is going to give us some financial game. He's going to tell us something that I don't think we've covered, at least not heavily, on how entrepreneurs can exit, whichever way you want to go, exit your business. So Ivan, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you very much, Kellen. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, thank you for coming on. Um, Ivan is in the Palm Beach County area, but he can, you know, do this wherever you contact him and links will be in the description box. But Ivan, I'll just let you kick it off and tell people, you know, what you do, what you're an expert in and how they can benefit. Excellent. Thank you very much. Uh, We work with business owners who want to grow the value of their company so they can exit on their own terms. And you know, that means really working with them to encourage them to manage their cash flow in a way that increases assets, decreases liabilities, and protects them against all the varieties of risks that are out there so that they can fulfill their dream of someday exiting their business uh, in a way that uh, benefits them financially and they can support their lifestyle in retirement. Well, that's that's awesome. Now, a lot of folks will say, oh, man, this is for people that are old, whatnot. Like, at what level, what stage in the game should someone even be thinking about the exit? That's an excellent question. I think it's very similar to when's the best time to plant a tree. You know, that was 30 years ago. You know, today is the second best time to start. The best, you know, time to start is 30 years ago. Well, you know, the best time to start planning your exit from your business is the day before you launch the business. You should be thinking about this throughout the life of the business and always having an eye on what the most appropriate way is to monetize the value of the biggest asset that you'll have in your life. Um, You know, People exit businesses for all kinds of reasons, and they fall in three major categories. They want to quit working, and that doesn't mean that they're old and they're ready to retire, but they just don't want to be in this business anymore for whatever reason. They get sick and they can't work anymore, or they die. And we need to be prepared for all three of those eventualities at all times so that we don't end up having a crisis at the time that we most need to to be prepared. So when you say, you know, when talking about death, this may even be for the person who they love their business. If they have kids or if they're married, you know, they know that their family wants no part of the business. Maybe it stressed them out. So Mm -hmm. they should be thinking even in death that I have a package that when I leave, my family then can sell my the business and you know go on and do whatever they want to do with their life would that be a correct um statement that's a uh, absolutely correct statement it goes even further than that part of estate planning for any business owner is understanding what the succession plan would be for a business 
And so, you know, you need, you know that you're going to need to prepare somebody to take that over at some point. And you should always be ready to turn that over to somebody should the need arise through an emergency or whatever. Um, and there's also, you said, you know, some families don't want anything to do with the business. The opposite is also true. There are children that very much want to take over the business and, and have it be a generational uh, asset that continues indefinitely. And, uh, you know, in order to do that, you have to be prepared financially also, because if you lose the primary driver of that business at an opportune time, you know that you're going to have a financial shortfall, whether that's through an expense of hiring somebody to come in and take their place or through a revenue gap. Uh, and, and so being prepared for all of those things is incredibly important. And let the people know more about you. How did you get into this, you know, uh, this business and, you know, just kind of more in your background? Sure. Uh, I came to this business about five years ago. Uh, I was uh, ending a uh, career in uh, marketing. I led marketing departments for a variety of companies, uh, such as Procter & Gamble, uh, Office Depot, uh, ADT Security Services, and uh, a bunch of smaller companies that, that I led in, the, in a 20-year 20, 20 career in, in, in marketing. And uh, I decided that it was time to do something on my own, uh, you know, being in the, in the corporate world and, and, and having that daily grind is, uh, is a lot of fun for a period of time, but it's not something that I wanted to do indefinitely. And when I struck out on my own working with business owners and helping them be successful, one of the things that, uh, that became obvious was that a lot of people don't think about what it takes to exit their business. It was very clear from working with some of my clients that uh, they thought that, you know, one magical day somebody would show up with a big bag of money and give it to them and uh, they would sail off into the sunset to count it in the islands. And uh, that is seldom ever the case. Uh, about 80% of the businesses that uh, go on the market do not sell. And of the other 20% that do sell, about half have to make significant concessions to the buyer. And if you, if you survey those business owners that did sell their businesses a year later, the majority of them are going to tell you that they regret selling their business. Uh, and I don't want any of my clients to have that experience. So it's important to me to, to give them, uh, you know, every opportunity to, to do whatever it is that they want to do with their business. And it doesn't mean that they can't sell it. They, they very well may find somebody to sell it, but it's good to have other alternatives to, to make sure that, that they can create uh, cash flow and, and, and wealth going forward. And he didn't mention his uh, military um, background or Naval Academy education, but you know that there there's something to be said even about that and the discipline that you received from there. Now, many people. And coming from Seattle, I, I can just remember entrepreneurs calling Kellen, Kellen, you know, clients, somebody mm -hmm. wants to buy our business and they're offering one point two million. Mm -hmm. And I and I would tell them, I would say, OK, 
because it's like they were doing it to everybody in the same type of um, mm-hmm. staffing type of company. Okay, 1.2 million sounds good, but what else are you going to do? Because this mm-hmm. is what you've been doing. And what would you do outside of that? Oh, they'll put me on salary for 90,000. So you go from being <laughs> an entrepreneur to right. working for the company you built. Um, I know you. Are you really going to be happy with that? Everybody I talked to, at least two, maybe three people I've talked to, they were like, you're right. I never thought about that. I don't want to just yeah. work for somebody. Um, what is the number one or two mistakes that you see people not focusing on when you're talking to them about this? That's you. You brought up a, a very important one, and that is the the uh, expectation that somebody will pay them seven figures for their business. The number one thing you need to realize is that Uncle Sam is going to take a significant portion of that. And so it sounds like a big number, but it's going to be a much smaller number after you're you're done paying taxes. The second one is one of those concessions that I mentioned that about half of the businesses that sell have to make to the buyer includes some sort of, you know, continuing uh, relationship going forward as an employee, because they want to make sure the wheels don't fall off the business because the primary motivator and the primary rainmaker or whatever you want to call them, the the guy that makes it go disappears or gal. And, um, you know, so the reality is that, that, uh, uh, you know, entering into these agreements where they have to stay for two or three years past the sale or some sort of structured uh, uh, buyout where they get a, a lump sum at the beginning and then something in salary going forward. Those are the things that kind of sour people on the sale of the business because they don't get to make a clean break. They have to, you know, stay with it. And, and that's okay if you like working. And, and But I always tell everyone, if you have an office that you go to, and you work 10 hours a day, you don't have a business, you have a job. And so, you know, that's, that's another kind of big outage on the part of, of business owners. Uh, there are four w- things that need to be in place for a business to be ready for sale. Obviously, it has to be profitable. People don't buy un- unprofitable businesses. And if they do, they, they steal them. They, they give away, you know, you have to give it away. You have to take whatever they, they give you to just move on and they can take it over and make it profitable. And so making your business profitable, you know, not expensing European trips and boats and uh, fancy cars and all of that through your business is the first step. The second step is it needs to have a diversified clientele. If you have one or two big uh, customers uh, and they represent 80% of your revenue, um, it's going to be really hard to convince somebody that they should buy your business because if they lose that big customer, it, it's, it's over. Um, and then, you know, it can't be dependent on the owner. If the owner is the person that knows everything and has all the answers and drives all the you know, continuing progress and, and, and uh, energy in the, in the company, then, then it's, it's not going to be a good look if that person goes away. And finally, those people that are actually critical to the business that are not the owner, because the owner can't be the one that, that makes everything happen, those people need to be present and engaged, and they need to be loyal long-term to the business. And so, 
you know, if I'm going to buy a business and it's profitable and it's got a diversified uh, clientele and the owner can hang out for a couple of years and help me, but the employees are going to say, look, you know, it was okay while Kellen was here, but now that Ivan took over, I don't think that I want to be around, then that's, that's also not a good look. And so I, I, it's important that, that you put in place the right things to, to make your business perform and hit on all those cylinders. And, and over time, you will build a kind of organization that can be either sold to somebody externally, which is, you know, the, the private equity or, or, you know, a competitor or, or somebody like that. Um, or leave it to your internal partners, either actual partners, co-owners, or your employees or a family member, uh, or keep it for the rest of your life while you stop being involved on a day-to-day basis and simply let it throw off cash to support your lifestyle. When you were saying that, um, you know, one owner leaving, and I know we had talked about uh, off air about, you know, taking over business and if the employees don't like the new boss, but Mm -hmm. it it reminded me of um, when you're at the car dealership and, you know, the sales guy is the greatest guy you're going to meet, but the finance guy, not so much because his Mm -hmm. job is totally, totally different. And, and, and many People are so wrapped up in their business. And I have this conversation often with entrepreneurs to say, you know, when are you going to get help? When are you going to trust somebody else to help you grow this business? And so many entrepreneurs, especially in minority communities, have a hard time letting go. Um, When are you going to write the book, Ivan, to help them with this whole process? Well, you know, Kellen, maybe you can help me write it and publish it for me. And, uh, you know, we, we can, uh, we can go half seas on that. But, uh, I, uh, I really think that, uh, particularly when it comes to underserved communities, I mean, you know, it's incredible the, the energy that comes from, uh, minority and immigrant communities in this country to create businesses. The, the, when the, the, established companies out there that hire on the basis of education and experience and connections and all of those things are not employing the the people that that we're talking about they turn to starting their own businesses and it's critical that they get the kind of help that we're talking about because you know it's certainly not going to come from the SBA it's that's just not happening so it's important that you know, they get educated, that they talk to people like you, that, uh, you know, they, they find out what the right way is to, to manage their, their cash flow so that they can be successful. Um, you know, mpcfinancial.com is a great place to go. Uh, and, and you can follow me on social media, uh, Ivan Rosa, or at, uh, at LinkedIn, iRosa. And, uh, you know, I'd be more than glad to, uh, to have a discussion about it. Yeah. And in that discussion, you know, when you're talking about minority and immigrant businesses, which we need them because these are especially immigrants, um, you know, creating a business. It's like in the blood. If if you when people say, oh, we need to take all these businesses need to be all Americana. And it's like, well, we won't be having many businesses. Um, America's a, a mixing pot. But with these businesses, you know, minority and, and immigrant businesses, um, 
we have to get out of doing different things. You know, you get a barbershop on here, then your friend, your, your primo, your cousin makes a barbershop right. next door offering the yeah. same services. Same thing with restaurants where mm-hmm. mofongo and uh, jerk chicken is great, but right. every Puerto Rican and every Jamaican place does not have to have the same thing on the menu and you're a block away. It's, right. it's, 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 it's just bothersome. So in selling um your business are there any ways where you have seen companies come together and an owner say you know what i'm older i see you're young in this business i'm going to sell this business in healthcare in like adult care it's called a child change of ownership mm-hmm. um have you ever seen anything like that sure absolutely yeah it's a generational transfer of uh of a business is a big thing. And uh, it doesn't have to be in, inside the, you know, like the immediate family or even extended family. It's just sometimes, you know, you have a senior partner and a, and a junior partner and, uh, you know, thank God for the junior partners because they're the ones that are gonna continue driving that business and al- allow the senior partner to move on. And the senior partner should move on. All of us should move on at some point so that people behind us can take over. Uh, it's just a question of how do you structure that? What's the right way to fund something like that? Uh, I'm sure, you know, if we, if the, a senior partner is ready to retire and wants to sell his piece of the business, the junior partner is not going to just dig into his pocket and pull out a lot of cash and, and pay for it or go to the bank and borrow it. You know, there are things that need to be put into place so that over time you can create that bank, internal bank that you can use to do that. Um, and, uh, and, and vice versa, you know, the, the senior partner has a wealth of, uh, of experience and, uh, and knowledge that, you know, is irreplaceable. So he can't completely disappear, at least not right away. And so while the junior partner is getting up to speed and learning the business and getting ready to, to, you know, run or ride without the, the training wheels, the senior partner has to be there. And God forbid, he was he not there, then we have to have the right financial structure to make sure that the senior partner can afford to buy the, the, uh, uh, the business from the estate. Um, because in that case, for the most part, the, the wife and children are not going to want to be involved. And at what point, like what is retirement? Um, you are more mature and wiser than I, but I, you know, constantly, I I told you (laughs) the other day, you know, get teased. They say, are you retired? And I say, well, I'm part part of like the fire movement where, you know, Mm -hmm. we want to be financially free or financially independent and retire early. But what is retirement? Because it seems like if you do nothing, you die sooner. Mm -hmm. So what, you know, for owners who say, well, I'm scared to sell my business because I don't know what else I would do. Do you have any tips or have you seen anything that could help that person? Yeah, you know, there, I lived in Okinawa while I was a, a, a United States Marine. And uh, there's a word in, in, uh, in Okinawan, in the Okinawan dialect. Uh, uh, and uh, it escaped me right now. I should have prepared for this question. Uh, I think it's Ikigayo. And uh, it's, it's it loosely translates as the reason you get up in the morning and i don't know anybody who's retired that's happy that doesn't have a reason to get up in the morning and that can be you know 
gardening around the house and, you know, taking care of the grandkids and, you know, a bunch of things like that. Or it can be starting a new business, you know, in, in, a, in an adjacent field to the one that you have before or even completely different or volunteering uh, to bring along young entrepreneurs or, you know, a host of things that, uh, that people can do in their later years to contribute and to feel like they're still involved and still valuable. Um, people are living a lot longer now and they are staying active a lot longer in life. Uh, you know, back when social security was, um, established, the, uh, life expectancy was 67 years. That's why people were retiring at 62. You know, you could get a little bit of money from the government for the next three, four, five years, and then you kick the bucket and you were done. Today, people are living into their 90s. And, uh, and so, you know, and, and remaining very active into their 60s and 70s. Uh, you know, people running triathlons and, uh, and doing other things into their later years. And so why not? Why not do something? I mean, and, and it doesn't mean that that everybody has to retire at age 55 or 60 or whatever the case may be. A lot of people have that dream because they feel that they're going to work really hard in their thirties and forties. And then by the time they're in their fifties, they really want to reap the benefit of that and just go hit the beach. And that's a wonderful thought. But what most of us realize when we get later on in life is that, you know, we don't want to be in the, on the treadmill and we don't want to have to, you know, like fight every day for every scrap. But at the same time, we want to feel like we're actually flexing the muscles, both mental and, uh, and emotional, to, to make sure that, uh, that we're contributing and, and, and in doing something of value. Um, and so I encourage people that exit their business, no matter what stage in their life, to remain involved somehow with some aspect of what they were doing or something else that they want to do that is going to make them feel valuable. because. In Okinawa, you have the highest incidence of people in, that reach 100 years of age. And they attribute that to this reason why you get up in the morning. It's wow. not because of diet. It's not because of exercise. It's because the connections that they create and what they keep in their life late in life, just, you know, every morning I have a reason to get up and do something and I'm motivated by that and energized. Wow, that's that's awesome. Now, you've done a lot of um, great things in your life. The best is yet to come. What is a community give back that you are doing or that you would like to do in the future? Mm, that's an amazing question. Thank you. Um, you know, one of the most important things that I do, uh, I am a, a uh, guardian at Lightum uh, with the 15th Judicial Circuit here in uh, Palm Beach County. And a guardian ad litem is a court-appointed uh, advocate for children who are in the foster program. Um, it is one of the most rewarding things I've ever done in my life. And, uh, and I, you know, it's, it's sometimes brutal because of the things that, that you're exposed to. But at the same time, um, it's, uh, it's just a tremendous way of uh, bringing meaning to your life, much more meaning than just, you know, um, uh, working hard to, to make money or make other people money. Um, and so that's one. The other one is, uh, and, I, and I encourage everyone to go to gal.com, 
Guardian at Leiden, uh, Google it. And uh, if you have time in your life and you want to help kids, figure out a way to volunteer for this organization. Um, the second one is something called the Veterans Court. And uh, as a veteran myself, I like to give back to that group. Uh, the Veterans Court is a diversion program where um, veterans of any age uh, who perhaps uh, have a, you know, a, a, they run into some trouble, whether it's uh, substance abuse or alcohol abuse, domestic violence, uh, minor uh, incidents uh, of other types, uh, misdemeanors that qualify for diversion. We're not talking about violent offenses or, or anything like that, um, can go in front of a judge and get a chance to have that expunged from, from the record if they complete a probationary period in a satisfactory manner. And that probationary period includes restitution, it includes community service, it includes um, counseling that they go to, and it is all managed out of the Veterans Administration. And so, and they go in front of a judge, a sitting judge in the in the 15th Judicial Circuit. So it's not like they, they're just, it's not a kangaroo court. It's, a, it's an actual appointed judge that if they don't uh, finish that program, that judge will send them back to the county court and they will be processed for, uh, you know, for their crimes. And, uh, uh, and so that's also very rewarding. And there are young veterans and there are old veterans and almost all of them have some sort of PTSD uh, issue that they're dealing with. And so uh, I'm extremely proud of, uh, of that organization and, uh, and the work that they do. No, that's great work. And, you know, just f food for thought for the audience. You think about, you know, those who serve in the military, many who find that, you know, maybe college wasn't for them, maybe they couldn't afford it, maybe for whatever the reason, but you get people who have, you know, they, they've taken a job um, and through that job, they then get PTSD and can't function in normal society. And guess where we send them? Um, yep. You can call, yep. you can call your Congress member and your senators for that people. Um, right. I, I thank you for giving the game. And I want to tell people when you reach out, because, again, the links are in the description box to Ivan. You ask him since he's let you know he's a Marine. You ask him, treat my business like you treated your rifle. And if you know Semper Fidelis and Simplify, as many of you guys know that, you know, they are always that's always right. faithful um and they will treat their rifle and guard it like their legs they will make sure they shoot straighter than their enemy that's trying that's to kill right. them so tell them that and yeah. you'll be in good hands ivan if you want to leave the people with anything um feel free yeah listen this has been amazing thank you so much um you know i i just encourage everyone to uh regardless of what your career path is and what you do to treat your work like it's your business. Uh, I spent uh, a lot of time in, in corporate America and uh, I learned very early on that I wasn't a, a corporate employee. I was an intrapreneur. I was an entrepreneur inside a larger company and whatever I was in charge of, that was my business and I treated it like mine. And if you take that approach, if you take that attitude to everything you do, uh, you'll be successful. You cannot fail when you do that. You will always, always achieve your goals because 
it's all up to you. Uh, the 10 most powerful words in the English language are all two letters were long. If it is to be, it is up to me. You guys have been blessed by the game. If you do nothing else, share it with somebody. It will change their life. Are you tired of the violence, tired of the injustice, police brutality, rampant discrimination, lack of gun control in this failed by a socioeconomic experiment called America? Or maybe you need a break from the relentless grind and want to regain control of your destiny, your wealth, your health, and your purpose. DiversifiedGame.com has the right course for you. Prepare for my first trip to Africa. Looking to reconnect with your roots, start a new business, or just a fresh start. Africa, a.k.a. the motherland, is waiting. Don't let the Chinese and the Mazungus have the fun and also take over the motherland. From Cairo to Mombasa, from Dakar to Cape Town, Africa has something for everyone from business opportunities to the most amazing people, safety, leisure, and landscapes. The opportunities abound. It is time for the diaspora to reconnect with their roots. Time to reconnect with the birthplace of humanity. Africa is the last frontier. Get your head in the game and reclaim your legacy. The writing is on the wall. Babylon is falling. Give up the stress, grind and violence inflicted on our people on this continent and prepare for a journey of restoration and joy by connecting with the land of your ancestors. Check out our new course and kick off your adventure at diversifygame.com. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversify Game Podcast with Kellen, the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit DiversifyGame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.